How many believe that today is the day? It's the day He has made. And then the Scripture says, I will rejoice. You know, that's a choice. You know, even in the worst of times, it's still a choice to either cry and whine or rejoice. You know, I found things go a lot better when you decide to rejoice. When you make a positive decision to, instead of whining about it, complaining about it, and many of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've been there, you've done that, you've tried both. And if you're like me, you found out that rejoicing in God's strength brings you all the way through. Doesn't mean it's going to change your circumstances immediately, because most of the time it won't. That's another thing called faith. Faith endures. Faith has patience. Faith trusts God to see you through no matter what you're dealing with. Well, we're not into a series. We're going to start a series next week. I've been doing, doing I've been doing, I've been doing some uh, single sermons along the way, and I've got another one today. It deals with growing in faith. How many could say right now you need to grow in faith? Some of you are liars right now. No, we need to grow in faith, every one of us. Also has to do with growth bringing change. Anytime you're growing spiritually in your life, how many realize there's going to be changes that come in your life? And if you're growing in genuine faith, there are going to be good changes in your life. Anybody ever remember the Russian comedian Yakov Smirnov? I can barely say it, but you remember him? Well, when he first came to the United States from Russia, he was totally amazed at all the instant products available in the American grocery stores. He said he went on his first shopping trip, and he said, I saw powdered milk. You just add water, and presto, you get milk. Then he said, I saw powdered orange juice. Uh, you just add water, and presto, bam, out of the blue, you get orange juice. Then I saw baby powder. And I thought to myself, wow, what a country. Some of you will get it later. What I'm trying to say, the thing is, after we become believers in Christ, we become followers of Christ, a lot of us have this feeling, what do I do next? What do I add to it next? What am I supposed to do? Well, my answer is we do church. We do church. We do discipleship with other people. And do you realize that discipleship, when you break it down, discipleship is not a program, it's a process. You didn't become a follower of Christ because of a program. You became a follower of Christ because of a decision you made. And that same Holy Spirit that led you to Christ, I believe, wants to lead you every step of your journey through life. So this morning as we get started, I want you to ask yourself, Am I growing in faith? Am I growing in faith? And be honest enough to ask yourself, am I allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into my heart and change me? When we allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our heart and into our lives, change will come. If you're still confused, think about it this way. Say you go to the gym every day of the week, and you see this guy there. Um, he's there before you get there. He's there after you leave. You see him going around to all the different exercise machines and talking to people, but you never see him doing much of anything. And you've been going to the gym for about three years, and this guy has literally done the same thing day in and day out. I'm just going to say after three years, nobody's going to walk up to this guy and say, hey, you've been working out? It sure looks like it. They're not going to say that, right? Because even though he's been in the gym for three years, you can't tell it. And my point to my story is it reminds me of some Christians that I know. One of the most confusing things about growing up in the church and growing up as a young person, I saw people that had been to church 5, 10, 15, 20, maybe 50 years, and I'm thinking, 
How can you attend church for 5, 10, 15, 20 years and never change? Never change. Still the same mean, bitter, angry, hateful, self-centered, selfish person that they had always been. This proves a point to us. It's about a whole lot more than just attending church. Amen? It's about following Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen? According to Scripture, growing people change. When we grow in faith, we change. And if you look at Scripture and you're not changing, you probably aren't walking genuinely with Christ. Because if you're genuinely walking with Jesus, you're going to change. There's going to be some positive changes. I'm not saying they're going to be just like this, a miracle overnight. But there's going to be progressive change in your life. If you and I are walking consistently with God, He's going to change things around us, in us, and through us. Because if you are genuinely walking with Jesus Christ, you're not going to stay the same. You're going to change. Now, if you would uh, rank the top Christians that you can think of in your life, in the Bible or outside of the Bible, your thought is probably going to uh, come to the Apostle Paul. I think he would probably be at the top of most people's list. Uh, top Christians like Peter, Paul, and Mary. At the top of the list, right? Amen? I would just see if you're paying attention. I just talked about a singing group. Yes, right. Some of you are on the ball, though. You caught me on that one. But take Paul, for example. Think about him. He has done some miraculous things that you and I are probably never going to do. Paul brought some people back to life from the dead. And if you think I'm long-winded up here sometimes, let me just tell you, Paul was more long-winded than I am when it came to preaching. One time he was preaching a sermon in the church, and he was going on and on, and there was this guy sitting in an open window listening. The guy fell asleep, fell outside the window, and died. Paul said, wait a minute. He held the service up for a minute, went outside, rose the guy back from the dead, came in and preached the rest of the night. Amen? So I'm only going to be here for about 30 minutes, okay, at the most. But Paul raised him back uh, from the dead. Um, so Paul, over anybody else, I'm thinking, would be probably at a point spiritually in his life where he really didn't need to grow any more or not much more in his life. That's what I would think. Well, listen to Philippians 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 10. It doesn't say that at all. Paul says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. This is the Apostle Paul. I'm thinking, hold on, wait a minute, put on the brakes. This is the Apostle Paul. He healed people. He rose people from the dead. He saw Jesus face to face on the road uh, to Damascus. Uh, I'm thinking he would not need to grow anymore. But he goes on. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. That's the popular part. That's the part of the scripture we like. We don't like this next part so much, where it says, and also to know the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. We don't like that part. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Again, remember, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, and look what he says in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I love that. I love that because Paul is saying, I'm walking with Jesus. And as I'm pressing on with Jesus, he's conforming me. He's changing me. He's transforming me to be more like him. He goes on in verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. I love this because this is huge. He's not talking about his bad past, and he had one. He's talking about his religious past. I've had some religious experiences, wonderful religious experiences. I've had some wonderful relationships and uh, experiences with God. 
But I think when it comes to the church sometimes, we have the problem of doing something like maybe going on a mission trip, and we pat ourselves on the back for the next 10 years thinking we've done something major, significant for God. And I'm not against mission trips. I've been on several. They're awesome. They're powerful. They're mighty. But when I think about our lives and our journey with Christ, it's one big mission trip. Amen? It's one big mission trip. We ought to make every day count. Some people pat themselves on the back when they give a, a big offering sometime, a special gift, uh, thinking they've done something really to impress God. And when all we've really done is give back what was God's in the beginning. But Paul is saying this. He's saying, I've had some experiences with God that's going to blow your mind. But when it comes down to it, I'm forgetting all that. I'm putting all that behind me, and I'm pressing on not just to know him, but Paul says, I'm pressing on to know him more with all of my heart. Translation, growing people change. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, he says in the next part of that verse. You know, when you hear straining towards something, that means it takes some effort, right? And then he says, I press on. That takes some effort. Press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. Let's just say Paul had his eye on the ball. Paul had his eye on the prize. Paul had his eye on the goal. Today we're going to look at several ways we can grow in our faith. And let me just preface this by saying it has nothing to do with God's love for you. Do you realize that? God's love for us doesn't depend on our performance. It never has, it never will. God's love for us is based on Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross and what we did with the cross in our lives. Amen? So God's love for us is never in question. Never was, never will be. Our love for him, on the other hand, is probably in question most days of our lives. But I'm going to give you several examples of things that you can do, I can do, to change and to grow in our faith. So if you're taking notes, the first one is, Open your Bible and read it. Open your Bible and read it. It's amazing how many good-intentioned Christians tell me they want to hear the voice of God, but they don't dare open or crack open their Bible ever. They don't read anything for themselves. You know, when men tell me that they don't have time to read the Bible, I want to say, hey, wait a minute. If you wouldn't watch Sports Center all day, you might have time to read the Bible. Amen? Or, or you, if, you, if you... Sorry, that was a low blow, right? Anyway... Anyway, for some of you guys, I'm thinking if we didn't watch so much news about the same thing we heard last week and yesterday, and they're telling us the same thing again today, we might have time to read our Bibles. What I'm really saying is you and I will never, ever do what God has called us to do unless we understand who He is. And the best way to understand who He is is to open up the Word of God and get in it and find it out for yourself. Psalms 119.105 says, Your Word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. That scripture right there isn't actually giving us a direction. It's focusing our direction on who God really is. And some people say this. They say, well, how, how or where am I supposed to start reading in this Bible? Um, I've never been a big fan of just uh, uh, opening up the Bible and kind of Bible roulette. And, yep, it's there. You know what? That's going to happen. You might do that. And Judas went out and hanged himself. And then you shut it up again and you think, Go out and do likewise. Not good. I'm just saying, that maybe works sometimes, but usually nine out of ten times it's not going to work. Not going to work at all. Get in God's Word, read it for uh, yourself. Amen? Because it'll work like that otherwise. How about getting in the Bible? Reading the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Reading about Jesus. Written by four different guys. Telling the same story from four different perspectives. 
but you have to get in your Bible to find that out. Amen? You have to open up, open up the Word of God. And the truth is, I don't know a single person who is growing on a daily, consistent basis in their faith that's not in their Bible on a daily, consistent basis. It goes hand in hand. So if you're not seeing answers worked out in your life and you don't feel like you're getting anywhere with God and in your faith, I'm just giving you the first answer. Get in your word, seek God. He said, the day you seek me, you're going to find me. He, that's a promise. Number two, if you're taking notes, um, get baptized. If you want to grow in your faith, get baptized. You realize the first thing that Jesus commanded, and really quick, Jesus, by the way, whenever he asks you to do something, uh, he doesn't just ask. He isn't just a man. He's God. He's Almighty God. And when he's speaking and asking us or saying something to us, he's not just requesting or suggesting. He's commanding. So the first thing he commands us when we become followers of Christ is to follow through in a public ceremony called baptism. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20 talks about this. Look what it says in verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So if you're a follower of Christ, that means that our lives fall under his authority. Amen? It means that whatever he's telling you to start doing, you ought to start doing. And whatever he's telling you to stop doing, you ought to stop doing. Verse 19 talks about baptism. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And what happens when you get saved and turn your life over to Christ? You're to get baptized. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So the first thing that Jesus tells us to do is to get baptized. So when you pray to receive Jesus into your life, you need to get baptized. Baptism in the Bible is actually done right after salvation, always. And it's done by immersion always. In fact, 27 different references in the New Testament to baptism all do it the same way. Baptism right after salvation, right after you've committed your life uh, to Christ, and it's done by immersion. I heard one minister say this. He said, if you were baptized before you really met Christ, all you were was a wet sinner. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking this got some truth to it. There are people who come from other traditions and they'll say, you know, I'd like to get baptized, but I don't want to upset my family. Well, let me just say this. I understand part of that. I understand. I'm hearing you there. But Jesus said himself, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword sometimes. So you and I have a decision to make. Do we honor our parents or our family more, or do we honor Jesus more? And I'm really talking about those people that are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, or 50s that say, you know, I would get baptized, but I don't want to make mama mad. Let me just say, who did you decide to follow, Mama or Jesus? That might help you answer your question. Anyway, some people will say, I'll pray about doing that. I'll pray about getting baptized. You know something? That's a prayer you don't even have to pray because it's a command. You don't have to pray about it. You just have to follow his guidance and direction. And he says, after you give your heart to him, you need to be water baptized, and it ought to be by immersion according to what I see in the scriptures. I'm not saying what I believe. I'm saying what the Bible tells about baptism. Number three, if you're still taking notes, regular church attendance will help your faith to grow. Notice I didn't say occasional church attendance. Once in a while when I feel like it, once in a while when I get out of bed early enough, once in a while when I feel like, no, I didn't say that. I said regular church attendance will help you grow in your faith. You know, I was in the construction business for many years, and I saw a lot of tragedies happen even on my jobs, even to myself sometimes. Accidents happen. I was always seeing somebody shoot themselves with an air nailer. 
I saw this one guy one day walk up, and he was putting a board on the wall. The only thing is the nailer slipped and nailed him to the wall right through his hand. I had to pry him and the board off the wall, split the board off of his hand, and take him with his big nail in his hand to the hospital. I saw guys that weren't real good shots with those guns. I saw them put them in their legs, in their arms, in their hands. I've seen people um, who uh, would smash a finger. That's pretty common. Smash a hand. I even saw one time where a guy cut off his finger in the table saw. Um, you, you know, that was horrible. That was horrible, but if I ever saw someone lose their entire hand, I first was going to throw up, okay? And then I'd probably run to help. I wouldn't pick that hand up and take it home as a souvenir. I would get it to the paramedics to get it back to the hospital with the guy it belonged to so they could reattach it. Because we know that when a limb is severed from a body, even a finger, it's going to die, right? So when a body, uh, a limb is severed, no matter what it is from a body, if it's not reattached, it's going to die. My point is the reason people who claim to follow Christ and don't follow Christ, I think in a sense they're already spiritual body parts Missing from the spiritual body. What I'm saying is the idea that you can follow Jesus on a consistent basis without being connected and attached to a church, first of all, goes against 2,000 years of church history. goes against 2,000 years of church history, and it goes against hundreds of verses in the Bible. Flat out, you and I are called to be regular church attenders. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 spells this out. It says, and let us consider, are we in us? Yes, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, not giving up coming to church is what he's saying, not, meeting, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So you and I, without a doubt, from just that verse alone, are called to regular church attendance. You know, I know some people that have quit coming to church because the church got, quote, too big. Let me just ask you this, and think about this one. Who's in favor of the church staying small, Jesus or Satan? I think you know the answer to that one, amen? We want our bank accounts to grow, right? Because money is valuable. Well, you know what's valuable to Jesus? People. You know what's valuable to Jesus? Souls. So if the church is too big for you, let me just say this. I think I know a couple things about you, probably. You're probably not plugged into any groups or any ministries in the church. And number two, you're probably not volunteering for any of those ministries. But regular church attendance grows our faith in Jesus Christ. It's a big part of who we are as Christians. Uh, getting hooked up, getting connected with the church. The fourth way to grow in your faith. Respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Don't just hear it, but respond to it. Answer it. Amen? In James 5, the Bible talks about healing, and it says one of the biggest reasons people are sick and not healed is because they've got unconfessed sin or unrepentant sin in their life. Let me just say this about Jesus. He's coming after you and me, and he's not coming after us physically. He's coming after our hearts. He's not coming after a certain kind of behavior. He's coming after our hearts. I want to quickly read through Ezekiel and what Ezekiel had to say in Ezekiel chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. Point something out. This is Ezekiel speaking in verse 14. Some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat down in front of me. This is like us coming to church because they would go to the prophet and they would hear the prophet declare the word of the Lord. Verse 2, then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, son of man, and this is like God's nickname for Ezekiel. 
Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts. Remember who I said or what I said God was after? Our hearts. These men have set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all? Therefore speak to them and tell them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, when any of the Israelites set up idols in their hearts and put a wicked stumbling block before their faces and then go to a prophet, I, the Lord, will answer them myself in keeping with their great idolatry. I will do this to recapture the hearts of the people of Israel who have all deserted me for their idols. Translation, if you go to church and you've got a certain idol in your life, that's probably the thing you're going to hear in my message that's going to really bug you. I mean, I'm just saying if you walk away and say, all that pastor ever talks about is not having premarital sex. Let me just say, that only bugs you because that might be happening in your life. I'm just saying. Had to start with that one, though, didn't I? Yes, I did. <laughs> or people come along and uh, they say, all that pastor ever preaches about is money. You know why that hurts you? Money might be your idol. Or that pastor, all he ever talks about is me volunteering somewhere in the church. It might be because time is your idol. I want to just say this. You and I are always going to scream the loudest when we get the hardest hit in our spiritual soft spot. Amen? That's when we're going to scream the loudest. It's normal. But when I hear somebody complain about that, I don't get bent out of shape because I don't really take it personal like they're hitting me or the church. They're just exposing what's in their heart. They're just exposing what's going on in their heart. So my question is today, what's in your heart that's coming between you and Jesus uh, that you might need to confess before God or the Bible says even confess to another believer and repent of? What could it be in your life that's hindering you from the relationship that God wants and from the life that God wants you to have in your life? What's in your heart? It's not about that commercial, what's in your wallet. It's about what's in your heart. Number five, sharing our faith helps us grow. Recently, I got a message from a lady thanking me for a sermon I preached several months ago. And she said that message inspired her to step out of her comfort zone to help another lady friend of hers that had been diagnosed with stage four cancer. And what made this extra hard for this woman was the fact that she had lost her own husband just a few months before to the same kind of cancer. So when she goes to help this woman with her cancer, it was so painful. But she said no matter how hard it was, she said, I knew without a shadow of a doubt I was in the center of God's will. I was doing exactly what he wanted me to do to be there for my friend and to share Christ. I love this because I love hearing about people that are getting saved outside of these church walls. And the truth is, you and I are going to grow in our faith when we share Christ with others. Paul talks about this in Philemon chapter 1, verse 6. He says, and I am praying that you will put into action. Put into action. That's a verb. You're putting it in action, you're doing something. He said, I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things that we have in Christ. Let me ask you, have you ever shared your testimony with someone? Have you ever written it down? You know, when you and I learn to share our faith outside of these church walls and tell people about Jesus, not just on a Sunday, but on Monday through Saturday, if we can do that, we couldn't build churches big enough or fast enough to hold all the people that would be coming in. Amen? Sharing your faith in Christ is going to build your faith, but it's also going to build your church. More people are going to be reached for Christ. Last but not least, my last point, number six, being a servant. Being a servant makes all the difference in your growth in your spiritual life. You know, I would love for every one of you 
to be what I would call active members in the church. When I say active, I mean moving forward in some area of ministry. I mean moving forward in some way that's going to help build the kingdom of God. But listen to what the, uh, it says about Jesus in Luke 22, verse 19. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And I'm thinking, how in the world, after hearing just that, can we look at a holy God, a holy God that gave up heaven and came to this earth, a holy God that went to a cross, died for us, gave his blood and his body, who called us, who gifted us, who equipped us, who empowered us, How can we actually look at a holy God like that with an honest heart and say, God, I don't think I can find an hour in the next month to serve you. How could we possibly do that? But we do it every day. But in the light of what Jesus Christ has done for us, I'm not asking you to volunteer every Sunday. I'm not some people here do that, bless their hearts. But I'm just saying, seek God. Ask him if uh, uh, there might be a place to get plugged in and how you can help and use the gifts that you've been given to help out. Come and see me. Come and see Cheryl. Come and see Terry over at the Life Center at the kids program. Come and see some of us because God wants to use your gifts so much. In fact, that 1 Peter talked about it. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received, and we've all received gifts. Use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. One of the things that you should have caught on to by now in this Uh, message is that we're called to serve we are called to serve we're called to serve and there are many different areas we can serve in some of you're going to serve in the church some of you're going to serve outside the church some of you can serve at both but when you think of the word serve it's not like jesus is requesting something it's not like he's suggesting something he's calling us he's calling us to do something about what he's given the gifts he's given us and serving others helps us to grow. How many want to grow this morning? I do. Because number one, one day you and I are going to stand face to face with a holy God who the Bible says is going to have fire in his eyes. And I'm just wondering if the excuse we used while we couldn't serve the church, serve people or serve anywhere else is going to fly with God then. I'm going to say probably not. I'll tell you personally, I know what serving God has done for me in my life and it's beyond measure. It's beyond monetary. It's beyond uh, peace of peace. I mean, it's amazing what God has done in my life. And I know what he can do for you. And Jesus himself was a servant of servants. He came as king of kings and lord of lords. Yet when he came, he said, I came not to be served, but to serve. So until you and I are serving Jesus Christ on a consistent daily basis, I'm just going to say we're not growing or we're at least not growing at the pace that God wants us to grow. I want you to be all that God has called you to be, and I know He wants you to be. He's called us. He's gifted us. He's equipped us. He's empowered us. He's preparing us. And do you know that you're too important, way too important, every person in here? I don't care how low you feel this morning, you're way too important to sit on the sidelines and do nothing. I love uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Most of us could quote this scripture, but it says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, They mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know, we often look at that little word wait, and we think it means to sit around and twiddle our thumbs and do nothing. 
When I look at that word wait, I like to think of a waiter. I like to think of a waitress out there waiting tables, serving tables, serving others. Because waiting isn't just something you and I do until we get what we want. Waiting is actually the process of becoming all that God wants you to be in your life. And waiting isn't sit around, sitting around doing nothing. I would say those that are waiting spiritually are actually those that are actually doing the work. Doing the work faithfully. And the Bible says the Lord will renew your strength. I don't know about you, but I want to live a life of renewed strength. Renewed by God above. We all fail. We all fall short. But I hope after this message, you'll see that God has a purpose for your life. God has a plan for your life. You may feel unimportant to God, but you are important to God. You are valuable to the kingdom of God. God has a work. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. All we have to do is receive it. All we have to do is open the word, read it. All we have to do is seek him. Find the guidance and the direction that we need for our lives. Could you stand to your feet this morning? And as you stand to your feet now, ask yourself that question, am I growing in my faith? Am I growing in my faith? Am I giving the Holy Spirit room to work in my heart and to bring the change that I need in my life? If you're not, I believe you can start right now during this prayer time. I want every head bowed, every eye closed today. And Father, we are so thankful. We thank you so much that your word is so clear that we are called. It's not a suggestion. It's not a request. We're called to follow you. And as we follow you, Lord God, you promise that you'll change us. You promise that we'll grow in our faith. We're so thankful, Lord God, that your love for us is never in question. That we don't have to even do any of the things I've talked about today for you to love us. But if we love you, Father, we're going to follow you. And if we follow you, Lord God, you're going to change us along the way. I pray, Lord God, that each and every person here today would submit and surrender their lives over to you. Maybe they followed you for most of their life. But I pray that they would surrender their hearts in a brand new way this morning, in a more complete way. There's someone here who doesn't know you, Lord Jesus. I pray that before this day, they will just say, Lord, I need you as Lord and Savior. Open their heart and invite you to come in to be Lord of their life. I pray for those that need to take their next step today, maybe following you, reading more of your word, taking that next step in water baptism, being more faithful in their coming to church being more responsive to you. Maybe it's sharing their own faith and being a servant. Lord, I pray that you would help every one of us to grow in our faith for you and for your glory. Lord, your word tells us that your word will never return void, but will accomplish all that it was set to do. I believe this message was sent to do amazing things with this congregation, to, to empower people that thought they were powerless with the power of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for soul winners in this house today. I thank you, Lord, for those that are about to share their faith with somebody. You'll open the doors. All they have to do is open their mouth, and you'll fill it, your word says. Father God, let us be an army of believers going out of this place, showing your love like never before to the world around us, to the point where we couldn't build churches big enough or fast enough to bring them in. We give you thanks, and we give you the praise for allowing us to be co-laborers with you today and forever. We give you thanks and glory in Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe that with me, could you say amen with me? Amen. amen. God bless. Go out and change the world for Jesus. Hallelujah.